0: COVID-19 has completely upended daily life. Businesses have closed, and people are being forced to physically distance themselves from their neighbors and especially from healthcare professionals in order to avoid swamping already strained health systems. But how do you avoid your doctor if, by law, you have to meet with them face-to-face in order to get life-saving medication? That's exactly the situation many people with substance use disorders are facing right now. We'll have that story and more from The Lancet Psychiatry in New York. I'm Dustin Graham. Stay with us. In the United States, as elsewhere around the world, business as usual has ground to a complete halt owing to COVID-19. Unfortunately, other health emergencies, such as opioid use disorders, continue unabated. Clinicians working in addiction care still need to get medication treatment to their patients while also trying to minimize risks for COVID-19 infection. This is particularly challenging for medications like methadone and buprenorphine, which can require daily face-to-face visits by patients with their providers. To help meet this challenge in the U.S., the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, or SAMHSA for short, announced last week important changes to rules regulating methadone and buprenorphine prescribing. On the line with us to discuss these changes, we have Dr. Ayanna Jordan, addiction psychiatrist, assistant professor, and associate residency program director at Yale University. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Jordan.
1: I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Could you tell us a little bit about before COVID-19 what were the rules for providers to get medication treatment, such as methadone or buprenorphine, to their patients with opioid use disorders?
1: Yeah, I think um, it's important to kind of separate the two. Both are medications for people with opioid use disorder, and they fall under the umbrella of MAT, which stands for Medication for Addiction Treatment, um, of which methadone and uh, um, And buprenorphine are are two medications that we prescribe. However, buprenorphine and methadone before COVID-19 were handled very differently. Um, So I'll just start with methadone. Methadone was highly regulated. And so one of the things is that people with an opioid use disorder could only, um, and it's still true now, but the regulations were super rigid. So what that means is that they had to go to an opioid treatment program. And that's a program where there's a medical director um, and there are licensed um, healthcare workers that provided the methadone to patients. In the first 90 days, they could only have one take-home dose. So can you imagine they had to come in every single day, and only within those first 90 days were they are able to take home only one dose allowed to take home by themselves. And then in the second 90 days, so now we're into six months, right? First 90 days, second 90 days, the allowable take home was only two doses. In the subsequent six months after that, then you could um, take home up to uh, six days of methadone dosing. And then it took one year before you were allowed to take home two weeks of medication, and then two years before you were allowed to take home one month of medication.
0: And what's the medical reasoning for these strict rules for treating opioid use disorder with methadone?
1: Well, I can tell you what the um, what the rationale was it may or may not be based in medical reasoning. So what is based in medical reasoning and, and, and does make a lot of sense is terms of the risk of accidental overdose by this medication. So just quickly to go into some of the pharmacology that I think is important for people to understand is that methadone is a medication that, that does bind to the same opioid receptors, new opioid receptors as opioids or prescription pills or heroin, things like that. But it's a full agonist, meaning that once it binds to that receptor, it turns it all the way on. And with that, there is an increased risk of accidental death by stopping someone from breathing. So we call that respiratory depression. So there's a real concern that if people have lots of take-home doses that they might accidentally overdose on their medication, one, right, so die accidentally from taking too much of their medication, or two, mix their medication. They might take their prescribed dose, right, but mix their medication with other substances that they might be misusing. Like heroin, like prescription opioid pills, like benzodiazepines. Examples of those are like Xanax or Ativan or Clonopin. Um, like alcohol, which altogether can be more dangerous with the, with the methadone uh, medication. So that's one real kind of medical rationale why these um, medications are so heavily regulated. Okay, another reason that is not m- based in medical reasoning, but is a rationale for why people regulate methadone so heavily is fear of diversion. So what that means is that people selling methadone and not taking their prescribed methadone doses, but selling it illicitly in in the community. And then finally is um, making sure that the medication does not accidentally get into the hands of someone that can be harmed by it. So we think a lot about Children, right? So that's the rationale. Um, I do think, though, it's important that there are many, 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 many other medications that are prescribed that have the same risk, but no, but it's not as nearly heavy, heavy regulated as methadone. And so, um, as an addiction provider, I always question why is there such a huge amount of heavy regulation for people with substance use disorders, very different than other types of medical diseases.
0: So things are changing quickly with medical guidelines owing to COVID-19. What rules have changed in the US for prescribing methadone?
1: I appreciate that and I and I I like you highlighting that things change rapidly. So as of date these are the changes, but I just want to to note that this might change honestly within the next couple of days. I don't foresee that happening, but just want to 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 note that so what has gone on right now is that there is um two um, exemptions to the regulations that i told you one is for states that already have a a state of emergency in place and most states do but even if the states don't then um there we are in a public emergency right now so even if states don't have their own um, local emergency, these, reg- these exemptions can, uh, can happen. What they are is that up to the discretion of the, of the opioid treatment program, you, if you have less stable patients and then that's not defined in the exemption, that's up to the discretion of the OTP, you can take home 14 days. Less stable, patients can take home 14 days of the medication, and then for people who are stable, again, that's not defined in an exemption up to the discretion, you can take home up to a 28 days of medication. Another exemption that kind of happened is that you do not necessarily have to come to the opioid treatment program in order to get your medication. That can be delivered in a lockbox, which is a, just a box that is secure, um, to people who because of this physical distancing I call it physical distancing instead of social distancing because I do think we need to maintain social connections at this point but from a safe physical distance but for people who need to be at home um, to to really exercise physical distancing you are allowed which is different from before to deliver the medication securely in a lockbox now this just rolled out as of Wednesday okay? So it'll be interesting to see how treatment programs are actually handling this. On the ground at Yale right now, we have not been able to have the delivery of the secure medication, but people have been really quickly rolled over to 14-day dosing and 28-day dosing because we can't have, I mean, literally lines and lines of people who yeah. get their medication. And there's no way you can practice physical distancing when you have so many people trying to get their medications in a time of really true anxiety. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when we know that there is uh, an increased amount of stress, this leads to people um, experiencing the triggers of wanting to use. So we want to make sure that we get our people the medication they need. Um, So I'm really, really happy that these changes have taken place, I do want to highlight the fact that even though these exemptions are put in place, I am not advocating, nor what most addiction docs advocate, that um, everybody needs to be switched over to extended periods of time for take-home dosing, right? In the beginning, you have to properly dose methadone. So the person has to come face-to-face to first do the induction of methadone because it has to be titrated or the level has to be increased safely. So that happens no matter what with these exemptions. exemptions, But once somebody has met the dose that works for them, these exemptions come into place. But we do want to recognize that there are people who really do benefit from having structure of seeing someone every single day and coming in and actually would, even with these exemptions and even in a time of COVID-19 physical distancing, will choose to come every single day to get their, their medication. They are in the minority, but I just want to make that clear.
0: In addition to helping mitigate risks with COVID-19, once the pandemic ends, do we keep these changes to the rules or, or do you think they'll stay in place?
1: What I think these exemptions are showing, though, is that people should have autonomy, right? Should have the choice along with their addiction provider, to make sure that they're able to access their medication in a way that works for them to maintain recovery. And so I'm really excited that these changes have taken place. I'm actually quite disappointed that these changes, that it took COVID-19 in order for this to happen. But I'm cautiously optimistic that people will see even post COVID-19, and I think we will in fact get through this, but post COVID-19 that these exemptions should have been the status quo all along. There's absolutely no reason why it should have been so difficult for people to get their medication, nor would we have accepted this for any other medical disease where we're making people who are stable come in every single day or three days, four days, five days, six days a week to access medications.
0: So we've been focusing our discussion so far on methadone, but what about changes to the rules for buprenorphine?
1: The changes to buprenorphine before COVID-19, you had to, for the first evaluation of someone, before you induct them or start them on buprenorphine, you had to have an in-person evaluation. But in, in the context of COVID-19, they eliminate, eliminated the need for the first visit to be in person. And now that can be done via telehealth. On Wednesday, they said that it had to be via a video platform like Zoom or Skype or something like that. Just yesterday, they made an amendment and said it doesn't even have to be video. It can be over the phone.
0: Dr. Jordan, thanks very much for taking time to talk with us. I know how uh, how challenging a time it is right now for all clinicians.
1: Awesome, it's so nice to be with you. Thank you.
0: I want to make a note for our listeners: as with everything COVID nineteen, things are changing rapidly. We recorded our conversation with Dr. Jordan this past Saturday morning, so please check the SAMHSA website for any further changes to rules for medications to treat addiction. The SAMHSA website can be found at. And in other news, changes in some rules to the Mental Health Act in the UK are set to take place owing to the COVID-19 pandemic, including only requiring the opinion of one doctor for medical detainment instead of the current two-doctor rule. According to new legislation, the changes would only apply in situations where there are significant staff shortages. That's it for this episode. Tune in again to hear the latest news and views in mental health from around the world. From the entire editorial team at the Lancet Psychiatry, thanks for listening and stay safe.